Hello, my friend. If you're a pastor, this podcast is for you. Let's talk shepherdology. This is episode four of Shepherdology. My name is Dean Taylor, and Shepherdology is for pastors. I want to be a friend to pastors, and my desire is that this podcast would be a way for me to connect with you and to encourage you. Right now, I'm a professor at Faith Baptist Bible College and Seminary in Ankeny, Iowa. That's my primary work and vocation. But along with that, having been a pastor for about 25 years, I realize that there are times in a pastor's life when he just needs a friend. And I hope to be that friend, at least to some degree, to the extent that I'm able to through this format. And so that is my desire here on Shepherdology. Now, as I begin today, I always like to start with an encouraging truth. So what I'd like to do is share with you a resource that has been a real encouragement to me over the years. It's a book by A.T. Robertson, and it's called The Glory of the Ministry. The Glory of the Ministry. Now, A.T. Robertson is known for his word pictures in the New Testament. In fact, when I was, when I was a student in seminary, uh, one of my professors referred to that resource a lot, and I began to use that in my own study in preparing for sermons. And that's really all I knew of A.T. Robertson was that he had... Uh, produced this wonderful resource for studying the New Testament scriptures called Word Pictures in the New Testament. But then I was actually uh, working on uh, some messages from the book of 2 Corinthians, and I searched for commentaries and resources on that. And this book popped up in my search, and so I got it. And when I began to read it, I realized that this little book, The Glory of the Ministry by A.T. Robertson, really is written not so much as a commentary, but to encourage men in ministry, to encourage pastors. And I read through it, I marked it up, I've reread it, I've recommended it to people, I've given it to pastors. I could not recommend it more highly to you. Now, uh, it's been in and out of print. Uh, There may be some reprints that are available right now, or you might just find a used a copy of this book, which I always enjoy, um, if it's not uh, you know in too bad a shape, but even if it has a few of somebody else's markings or notes in it, I even enjoy seeing those. But I would just encourage you to maybe take a look and see if you can get this book, uh, "The Glory of the Ministry" by A. T. Robertson, and he's talking about and to pastors and people in ministry who are discouraged. And he intersperses uh, examples and real-life situations from people he has known or read about who were discouraged in ministry. Uh, But then he also weaves into that truth from the book of 2 Corinthians, and especially uh, chapters 1 through 4, I think it is. And and really, as I began to study that for myself, I realized that that, that is Paul's testimony, 2 Corinthians chapter chapters 1 through 4, is Paul's testimony of his own struggle and pain in ministry and how he found help from God during that time. So let me just share with you, and, and he's quoting here, A.T. Robertson is quoting here from the diary of Marcus Dodds. 
Now, Marcus Dodds was a Scottish minister who lived from 1843 to 1900. And when he was 26 years old, he was, they used the term probationer. I think what that means is like we would say an apprentice. So he was kind of an assistant pastor, and he it was a time of proving himself at, in ministry before he became a full-fledged pastor. And listen to what 26-year-old Marcus Dodds wrote in his diary at that time in his life. No day passes without strong temptation to give up this work. And he's talking about being a pastor. Now listen to what he says. This temptation appeals to me on the ground that I am not fitted for pastoral work. Writing sermons is often the hardest labor to me. Visiting is terrible. I often stand before a door, unable to ring or knock. Sometimes I have gone away without entering. A lowness of spirit that it costs me a great deal to throw off is the consequence of this, and a real doubt whether it would not be better for myself and all whom it may concern that I should at once look for some work, meaning some other work, that I could overtake, that I could do well. However, the one thing that has kept me going is this, that when I am in the best of spirit, these disinclinations to work go from me, and I fear that I have had little comfort in the work because my state was unspiritual. So he's recognizing the fact that his discouragement came from a lack of spiritual understanding or, or closeness to the Lord. Now, isn't that fascinating? I find the honesty of that and the, the transparency and the, just the raw reality of that in, in kind of a, almost a backward sense encouraging. Because here's a man who actually later went on to become a pastor and eventually was a scholar. Uh, he became the, the head of the new college. And A.T. Robertson says here, he is one of the chief Bible scholars and preachers of the world. But at that time in his life, he was struggling with the work of ministry. And as he says, sometimes he would walk up to somebody's door to visit them, to make a pastoral visit, and he couldn't even bring himself to knock on the door. He would walk away. I know I have found myself at times in pastoral ministry experiencing that feeling of inadequacy or just a lack of spiritual fervency or resolve to do that work. Sometimes a fear or intimidation of entering into a difficult situation. And, and he felt that. Now, A.T. Robertson, in this little book, The Glory of the Ministry, is quoting Marcus Dodd's diary entry that I just read to you to introduce this idea that when we are weak and feeling insufficient, that God is our strength and God gives us strength. And he quotes here, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So he's quoting 2 Corinthians 2.14, saying God always leads us to triumph in Christ. He's saying, uh, A.T. Robertson here is talking about how, how in Christ we are victorious. 
Christ is our strength, and we can rely on him. Now, I'm going to quote a little bit further from A.T. Robertson here. He says, It is the spiritual view of eternal values as seen by Paul that will win and hold a man to the service of Christ. You get that? So when you and I have this spiritual view and and a sense of eternal value of our work, then that will keep us in ministry. That will keep us going. That will enable us to serve Christ. And he says in reference to this verse, Paul is Christ's captive in God's triumphal march through the ages. He always leads us to triumph in Christ. What seemed to be defeat, he knows is victory. So my pastor friend, I just lift out that little thought and and an instance from the life of a man who was a pastor, just like you, who had struggles and low points and despondency and feelings of inadequacy and inability, just like you and I do, and and who eventually came to realize that there is an eternal view. There are there are spiritual values to cling to. And one of those that that Robertson is emphasizing here is the fact that God always leads us to triumph in Christ. Now, I would encourage you to to, to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4 especially, maybe even on today if you're listening to this on a, on a Monday or just some free time in your schedule, and just read over those chapters in 2 Corinthians and find in that encouragement in that Paul himself felt weakness, and I'm even going to use the word pain. Paul experienced pain, and in his weakness and in his pain, he was able to look to Christ. He was able to find help and encouragement and strength in Jesus Christ. So that's my encouraging truth for you today. And we're going to move on now to uh, what I want to discuss with you for a few minutes here on today's episode of Shepherdology, and that is your personal and devotional life. Your personal and devotional life. I know as a pastor, this is something that we know is important, our personal lives, which would include our, our, our just personal walk with God, our, our communion, our devotional life, our family, our marriage, our health, our mental well-being, our physical well-being. Um, and then it also includes, uh, as I mentioned, touched on, but, but also going into the area of our, our walk with God, our devotional life, our uh, communion with Him. And this, this is of utmost importance, extreme uh, necessity in our lives. So let me point us to another text of Scripture. This one is 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and let me read for us, starting with verse 12. And again, I'm just going to read over these verses and then, and then just highlight and emphasize a few principles that I think help us think about our personal lives and our devotional walk with the Lord. He says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. 
Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Now listen to verse 16. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed to yourself, 1 Timothy 4.16. Now that's something that, again, over the years in pastoring, sometimes I did not do as well as I should have. As I look back, being honest, other times I think I I was able, by God's grace, to, to develop and maintain a good personal life and devotional life. But, you know, the important thing is that, that wherever you are right now, whatever your place in life, whatever your your situation as far as marriage and family, children, your ministry, what that looks like, how busy you are or not, that that you take this to heart and that you you think about, okay, what does that mean for me right now? What does it mean to take heed to yourself? And I want to just lay out a few principles and, and then talk about some practices related to this. And so here here's a principle I think that this is telling us. First of all, Order your personal life so that you will develop and maintain influence on others. Order your personal life so that you can influence others. I think that's what he's emphasizing at the beginning of of the passage I read to you, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. You see, he's talking about the fact, and here, of course, he's addressing Timothy. He's saying, uh, Timothy, you have influence. You're an example. And you need to, to, to set up your life and, and govern your life and control your life, order your life, so that you can have that influence on others, develop it, maintain it, and protect it. Uh, you have a testimony. You have a reputation. Your conduct impacts others. Now, of course, that begins right in your very own life, your very own home. Your influence on your wife, your influence on your children, if you're married or have children at home. And then it expands out from there, your immediate neighbors. Uh, You have people that live next to you, and they observe your life. People you do business with. And then the people in uh, in your church, the ones you serve with, if there are other pastors or leaders in the church, and then the ones that you minister to, the congregation. Now, Paul mentions the idea of youth here. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Um, he's saying, you know, be careful of, of uh, how a lack of maturity or even an immaturity might undermine your credibility. Um, develop respect by how you talk, by how you conduct yourself, by how you treat others, uh, by your relationship with God, by being pure, So he's saying guard and cultivate these areas so that by your personal life you can develop and maintain and protect your influence on other people. Now, I want to share with you a couple of quotations that I think relate to this. And this one is um, from a book called It Only Hurts on Monday. It's by Gary McIntosh and Robert Edmondson. And there's a chapter... Uh, with the heading, Four Facts of Pastoral Life. Four Facts of Pastoral Life. Fact one, a pastor is never off duty. 
Now, that's a reality, isn't it? And he, he lays out a few elements of that, spiritual discipline, family life, social life, personal time, th- those elements of life that we consider very personal, very private, they, they are part of who you are as a pastor, and, and your ministry flows out of that personal life. And, and this is, you know, being a pastor is one of the professions, if you want to call it that, where your personal life can either qualify or disqualify you. Your marriage, how you parent, can either qualify or disqualify you from, from being a pastor, from fulfilling this calling and being in, again, if you want to call it a profession. So, so that's uh, what, um, what uh, Macintosh and Edmondson say in this book, It Only Hurts on Monday, in uh, chapter 10, uh, Pastors Never Off Duty. A second fact, a pastor is often in crisis mode. And that's true because there's always, there are always pressures, always um, people going through difficult times in their lives and trials. Fact three, a pastor is responsible for more than he can control. You know, we, we can't control other people and what they do and the choices they make. We can't control what's happening in the life of the church because it's made up of people that we don't control. And then lastly, a pastor lacks an objective measure of success. So how do you measure a pastor's success? Uh, is it just the number of people who are there on a Sunday? Well, that fluctuates. It goes up and down, doesn't it? And, and so it's difficult to measure that. And so all of those put pressures on us personally. Those are aspects to our personal lives. Now, let me follow that up with a quote uh, by Richard Baxter, and this is from his book, The Reformed Pastor, a very helpful, older volume on uh, the life of a pastor. And so I always have to clarify when he says Reformed Pastor in the title, he's not talking about Reformed in Doctrine. He's talking about calling pastors during his day back to the rightful role of what a pastor is supposed to do. And he says, he says, we are exhorted, Richard Baxter says, we are exhorted to take heed to ourselves, lest we be void of that saving grace of God, which we are offering to others. Secondly, we are exhorted to take heed to ourselves, lest we live with those actual sins which we may preach against in others. Third, we need to take heed to ourselves that we may not be unfit for the great tasks which we have undertaken to complete. And then here's one more. Fourth, take heed to yourselves, lest you exemplify contradictory doctrine. In other words, lest your life, how your life preaches, contradicts the truth that you preach. So, so he's saying, take heed to yourself, Richard Baxter, for these reasons. So you, you understand that this is something that's very important. Paul challenged Timothy this way. Um, these, these men writing on ministry talk about this. Order your personal life so that you can develop and maintain and protect the influence that you have on other people. Now, there's some ways that we can do this. And I want to just quickly list out some practices. This is not exhaustive. Uh, this is just something to prompt your thinking. So how can you and I take heed to ourselves? How can we guide and order our personal lives so that we can maintain that, that influence on others that God wants us to have? First of all, I think it can help a lot for you to have a schedule. Now, a pastor cannot 
always control his schedule. But you can try. You can be proactive in in planning out your week. Uh, we spent the last three episodes talking about a pastor's primary responsibilities, and you can develop a weekly schedule that incorporates those and, and sets them into your, your time frame as priorities. But, but what I would say is in that schedule now, talking about your personal life, schedule time for communion with God. Plan when and where you are going to sit down with an open Bible and spend time with God. And then follow that plan. Don't just get up in the morning and think about what you're going to do first and what you're going to do next. Prioritize and plan that time with God. Plan and schedule time with your wife. Have a night once a week if possible, at least every couple of weeks, where you go out together, you have some time together, an evening together, and spend that time with her. Schedule time with your family. Block it out. Lock it in. Have time with them. Uh, Schedule time for rest. Schedule time for recreation. Schedule time just to enjoy being a person. Just to enjoy a walk in the woods or, or fishing at the lake or playing tennis with a friend or going for a bike ride. And, and put those times into your schedule and enjoy those times and do not feel guilty about those times. So schedule those in. Now let me circle back to spending time with God because this is an important part of taking heed to yourself. And uh, we'll talk more about these in, in other episodes, but my... My time is is uh, moving along here, and so I just want to circle back and make sure we talk about this aspect of spending time with God. My pastor friend, you need to have a daily encounter and a daily walk with God. I've learned a lot from Stephen Olford in the area of preaching. Uh, Stephen Olford says this about a pastor's personal devotional life: steal away to an open Bible, open heaven, open heart. Steal away. Just get away. Now, we need to do that daily. I encourage doing that for a significant time weekly if possible. So maybe on your day off or on a Saturday, other days are rushed or you're always thinking of sermon preparation. You know, sometimes just just get away, take a walk, take a Bible, sit under a tree, and just commune with God. Get that time where your soul is refreshed and, and your heart is renewed. I think one of the difficulties of, of this is, is the familiarity that we have with Scripture. You know, we spend a lot of time studying the Bible, and that can affect your interest and your motivation. The fact that you have late-night meetings and visits and early-morning appointments and just all of that, uh, this can this can begin to affect our view of Scripture uh, and of devo- our devotional life. In fact, as you read the Bible, you can sort of mentally start outlining it and thinking about how it is that you would you would preach it and what those principles are for preaching. I think that's a challenge to a pastor's devotional life. In fact, listen to what Curtis Thomas says in uh, his book Practical Wisdom for Pastors in his section on a pastor's devotional life. He says, after I entered the ministry, I found it difficult to cultivate a personal devotional life. Among the reasons were late-night meetings, counseling times, early morning staff and committee meetings, the constant demand to prepare notes and lessons and sermons, 
needs of the congregation I needed to pray about, and those took up most of my own prayer time. He says, it came as a surprise to me that one of the problems I faced in the ministry was when I opened the scriptures, I found it difficult to forget the need to determine the background, outline the passage, divide it into an appropriate package for delivery, and think of ways to get this particular truth across to others. It became very difficult for me to just sit down with the scriptures and let them speak to me alone. And that is so true, and you may find that to be true. So how do you overcome that? Well, I think one way is with devotional books. Now, you might kind of think of those as something you don't need as a pastor, but let me just tell you, I've been helped by certain devotional books. There's one called Awake My Heart by J. Sidlow Baxter. Awake My Heart by J. Sidlow Baxter. And there was a time in my life as a pastor where I just fed my own soul and warmed my heart by reading those little devotionals. They're expositional, they're solid, they're heart uh, targeting to the, the heart, they reach the heart, and those were very encouraging to me. So just find something like that that you can use. Uh, maybe a, a reading plan that's different than the way you normally read Scripture. Right now I'm reading the Bible chronologically. I'm using a plan on my UVerse app that brings up chapters every day that takes me through the Bible chronologically. Um, that helps me because it just gets my mind to thinking of it in a different way and a little bit different order than I would normally read. Journaling, I think, can help you with this. Rather than writing down sermon points, just jot down in your journal uh, verses that stand out to you, uh, ways God speaks to you, encouraging truths that, that help you, maybe maybe ways you're challenged to grow spiritually, and, and just continue, continue with that, that personal interaction with the Word of God. And just maintain a humility, maintain a heart before God that enables you to, to really walk with Him and, and to learn from His Word. Now, we've been talking about a pastor's personal and devotional life, and I feel like I've just touched on uh, the surface of it a little bit, but I do want to try to keep these episodes to about 30 minutes uh, just so it's manageable for you and you can listen to it easily um, in, in a reasonable amount of time. So I'm going to stop at that point, and we'll, we'll come back to this another time. So what I'd like to do right now is just pray for you, my pastor friend. So would you just, in your heart, join with me? Father, thank you for the pastors that I'm connecting with right now. And Lord, it's very possible that there's a pastor who's deeply discouraged, who maybe because of, of busyness or maybe just because of inadequacy is having a hard time even, even knocking on that door, even driving to that hospital. Maybe a pastor who, who feels like he's dragging himself into the pulpit to preach. Father, I pray that that pastor right now would know that he always triumphs in Christ. And I pray that that pastor would rest in you, rely on you, take heart that you are at work in and through him, in his despair, in his weakness, just, just cast himself on you and rely on your grace and your strength. And Father, I also pray for my pastor friends that they would walk with you, that they would order their personal lives in a way that maintains a testimony, an example, 
and the influence that you want them to have. Father, give us grace for these things. Help us to honor you with our lives. You are the chief shepherd. We serve you. So I pray that you would help us to do that and be faithful for your glory and as part of your church-building work. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for connecting with me here on Shepherdology. I pray for you and those who know about this podcast, uh, desire for it to be an encouragement, my friends, my family. So, so I hope it is an encouragement to you. And if you want to connect with me, uh, I do have an email address connected with this podcast. It's shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. Shepherdologypodcast at gmail.com. I uh, would love to connect on Twitter at DeanHTaylor63. At DeanHTaylor63. If you want to go to my website and see some of the articles and information that's there, DeanHTaylor.com. DeanHTaylor.com. And I'm on LinkedIn as well if you want to get together on there. So I just, again, hope and pray that this is an encouragement to you. And I look forward to getting together again with you, my pastor friend, and we will talk shepherdology.